Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I sit down with Kyle Reiner from Arthur Hall Insurance. Kyle runs the food and beverage division and he specializes in insurance for craft breweries. In our conversation, Kyle and I talk about a number of insurance topics that affect craft breweries, specifically workers' comp insurance, how the calculation works, some tips on how you can save premium dollars. We also dig into how things have changed since the pandemic and what types of questions and specific needs are out there for craft breweries today. Kyle also has a podcast called the Beer Mighty Things Podcast, which I highly recommend you check out, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. So for now, please enjoy my conversation with Kyle Reiner from Arthur Hall Insurance. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Carrie, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So tell us a bit about your firm, about yourself, a little bit of background, what markets you guys serve, and the types of insurance products that you provide. So I am at Arthur Hall Insurance in Westchester, Pennsylvania. We actually have two eight, two offices, one down in the, the Wilmington, Delaware area. Westchester, Pennsylvania is not too far from the, the PA Delaware border. We have been in business 67 years, 37 employees. We are, I guess I don't have all the stats on, on all the other agencies, but we're fairly, fairly large from a revenue standpoint of, of what comes in the door. So, you know, we are, for the most part, looking for clients who are, you know, I mean, essentially paying more than $30,000, $40,000 in insurance premiums a year, that's where we can uh, start to bring in that value. You know, we, we have services that we offer, um, they're scheduled and whatnot. And, uh, you know, those take time, right? So, so we want to work with those clients that are, that they get it, right? They're of a certain size that these things are useful for. Yeah, Arthur Hall Insurance, I run the food and beverage division, been doing this almost eight years, just food and beverage, you know, focused with over 130 breweries and distilleries, restaurants. I work with startups up into, you know, very uh, established breweries. I've, I've worked with some that are, you know, 500 square feet and 200 barrels a year. And, and as I've grown and, you know, what I believe to be delivering more value, uh, you know, I, I now work with breweries that are 60,000 square feet brewing, you know, 10, 20,000 barrels a year. So I came up kind of in the brewing industry as well. And um, so I, I took my hospitality understanding as well as my the liquor liability and the manufacturing understanding and I worked at a brewery paired all that together to you know in, in the insurance business um, like I said like seven eight years ago and that's here we are today <laughs> this is what I do that's awesome and you also have a podcast tell us a bit about that the beer mighty things podcast it's a great yeah. it's a great one I definitely recommend it to folks who haven't heard of it or haven't checked it out beer mighty things podcast check it out but yeah give folks some background on that yeah, so we are, you know, I launched it in April 2020. Basically, you know, I had the thought of, I was at one of the Pennsylvania Brewers Guild meetings, right? I'm a member of the, the PA Guild, Jersey Guild, a couple others. So I'm in Pittsburgh for the uh, Guild meeting. And most of the folks from Eastern Pennsylvania, right, they were too busy to come out and drive that four hours to, you know, sit down for a few days. So, you know, while we're in the 
meeting area in the hotel and we're doing these keynote speakers and we're covering topics. I was like, well, wait a minute, all these other folks on the other part of the state, you know, they're not, you know, they paid for this content and they're not getting it and we don't really disseminate it then. Um, so I was thinking, all right, this is January, 2020, by the way. And I, I made a little, you know, a placeholder. I was like, I'm going to make a podcast on, and so we can, you know, have these folks on a podcast and, and provide this value to people who can then get it whenever they want it, you know, in their ears. So, yeah, so I had uh, created the, at that point, I think it was the Craft Mighty Things podcast and just made a little place marker. And then when the pandemic hit, it was April and I was like, all right, well, now we're using Zoom, right? It started to become, and I was like, oh, and we can record. So I was calling my clients via Zoom because I couldn't go to the brewery. And then, you know, and the uh, I started just made a list of folks to contact topics and we started talking about them, recording them. The podcast at that point had developed into the Beer Mighty Things podcast. And the reason is that is because Dear Mighty Things is a, is a, one of my favorite quotes from Teddy Roosevelt. Basically, you know, far better it is to dear mighty things to win glorious triumphs than to never learn anything or never know anything because you never tried anything. So it's all about those in the industry who are daring mighty things and dear and beer. They rhyme. So <laughs> why not? But yeah, not, you were episode 91, Carrie. We were talking about the financial literacy in the brewing space. And, uh, you know, today, uh, June 1st, I put out uh, episode 93. So put out a new episode every Tuesday. It's available everywhere you can find a podcast. And it's a craft beverage library in podcast form. There's always value uh, that we try to you know pick a topic and deliver versus just talking about a beer or whatever. There's always try to be a timely topic and, and again, provide value. Awesome. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, I'll link that in. And, you know, just for the folks listening, you know, I will say from my own experience, that it's very helpful to have, you know, we're going to talk about insurance and all the details and risk mitigation and all that good stuff. But, you know, I find it really helpful to have somebody representing you from the insurance side that understands the business, understands the industry, the nuances of it, things to look out for. Because, you know, on its face, just like finance is kind of, you know, finance is finance, insurance is insurance, but it really isn't. Like when you get into the particulars of any industry, I think that's a nice combination of, you know, the podcast, the value, the topics that you dig into, and then your own personal um, and professional experience. So uh, good for you for doing that. And and thanks for sharing that with, with everybody. Yeah, very welcome. So let's talk about the beer business. You know, it involves obviously selling alcohol. So we have some inherent risks there, liabilities. Yeah. So what types of brewery-specific insurance endorsements uh, should be considered by brewery owners and managers? Yeah, so there's a couple things. You know, it's funny, actually, when I talk to friends, like, oh, you you insure breweries? Like, you're you're the beer insurance guy? I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, what do you, why do they need insurance? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, because of you, probably. You know, obviously you have a liquor liability, right? Anytime you're you're creating or furnishing alcohol, you have a liability there that uh, whether it's a fight, whether there's some kind of damage or injury that is caused uh, deemed to be alcohol, then it falls onto the liquor liability policy and liquor liability is excluded from a general liability policy form because there's a better way to cover it. And that's with a liquor liability, you know, coverage, you know, with that, you got to pair a number of coverages to this because not only are these folks, you know, they're making alcohol, right? But they're also, you know, when I just mentioned there, they're making it. So they're a manufacturer. They are also a bar, right? So I'll have other insurance agents call me and go, hey, I got a client who is starting a brewery and I don't know what to do. Can you help them? It's like, cool. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, Or I'll have folks who, 
you know, they're like, Hey, I've called seven different insurance agencies over the last three weeks and no one's gotten back to me. And then I'll have something for them in 72 hours. And they're like, Oh, you know, so, so it's kind of you shorten that process. The more you do it with a brewery distillery, any craft beverage company, again, you're a manufacturer. We have two types of policies. Really you have a business owner's policy. It's kind of more, you're like boutique, say a clothing shop on main street, right? They don't need too much. There's not too much nuance. So you don't have to add or take away things. When it comes to manufacturers, they're typically on a commercial package, commercial packages in this situation, like uh, say like a real estate folks would be rated on their square footage and their their tenant type, right? When it comes to a brewery, they're basically rated on sales and it's on-premises versus off-premises. And so often, you know, I'll take a look at a policy that's been written by another agent, you know, and they're, all their sales might be listed as just on-premises consumption because they didn't know. The on-premises rate for liquor liability is 14 times basically what it is for to-go beer. So I stress to my clients to, you know, set up your POS system, your toast, square, whatever it is. Make sure that you are able to separate the four packs, the crowlers, growlers, uh, kegs going out the door because it literally is a 14th of the cost if we break them out correctly. And that's, that's real money. You know, so there's plenty of coverage. You're, you're putting beer in packages now. This was a big thing when the pandemic hit. A lot of folks who were relying on straight taproom sales started to package their beer um, when they when they could get cans right and we're still kind of in that boat but you know the folks who had a canning line were ready to go and the folks who weren't you know they didn't have a canning line they had to kind of figure out a way so you know when you start to package your beer to go and put it in the marketplace obviously branding is important and that's a whole nother topic but product recall i've been i have a funny story i went to go meet a friend to trade beer and have a coffee and we are in the coffee shop and brewery in Indiana got a can. It was like a peach saison. So it came from his fridge, shook up in the car on the way to the coffee shop, and then was sitting on the table with us. And then I guess the temperature change and all those other factors. We're sitting there talking. The can explodes. It shoots up to the ceiling. So it had gone through basically secondary fermentation or, you know, it, it was just you had a situation there in the can. So this happens on shelves. This happens at your home. So we, we talk about product recall insurance, where we want to bring this product back from the marketplace. And there's a number of ways to do that. And that, that can actually probably be a whole podcast in itself. But having a recall plan, right, what do we do if we need to recall this product? You know, can we find it? Do we know where it is? How do we alert the news? Telling people to put on gloves and glasses, uh, maybe bring back that receipt to the brewery to get a whole new four pack or whatever it is. So um, those are all kind of risk management techniques. Um, I urge my clients to have mock recalls. Right. Hey, you just started packaging beer. You don't you've never done this before. OK. And you never had a recall before. Cool. Well, let's do some fake ones so that when the time hits, you're ready to go. You know, maybe you have a task force, you know, contamination product changes within the brew kettle. Sometimes styles of beer you know, create issues within the, in the brew kettle. And, um, you know, from there to fermentation, uh, you might lose a beer. It might not even turn out the same color you wanted it. It might not taste the way you wanted it. Now you can't sell it. Right. So there's coverages. You know, I've cut checks for twenty thousand dollars for those situations. Your tanks leak, your tanks collapse. During the pandemic, a lot of my clients had started to hire delivery drivers. They didn't buy more vehicles, but their delivery drivers were using their own vehicles. So there's coverage for that. Right. We're not going to cover that vehicle. Right. We're going to cover Wormtown Brewery. It says it on the, the very first thing on the policy, very first thing on the mail that comes in the mail. We cover Wormtown. So. We also, we're going to cover Wormtown's liability to others. And the word liability is bodily injury and property damage. So when we hire a delivery driver, we're going to 
cover the injury and the damage that they cause to others, but we're not going to cover their vehicle because Wormtown does not insure their vehicle. It does not own their vehicle. So there is a coverage to, again, protect others, but we can't cover their vehicle. And then you get into that situation where that vehicle, right, that guy has his own personal auto insurance. And I do urge you breweries out there to have a template or minimum limits that you require these folks carry before they get in their car and, and work on behalf of you guys. But that personal auto policy typically has a business exclusion. So when you are driving your own vehicle on behalf of the brewery to deliver that case of beer and you cause an accident, all right, we're going to cover that other vehicle and the injury, but we're not going to cover your vehicle. And since you have a business exclusion on your vehicle, the chances are you don't have coverage. So you might have to come out of pocket for the for that damage. So you guys can do what you want at that. Sometimes the brewery will say, all right, you know, we'll step in for that 1500 bucks or whatever it is and just make that pay for that vehicle. But just know we can't really insure something we don't own. We've run into a lot of situations. Most of you guys are tenants. You know, there's a certain coverage to to cover the, the building you're in. Um, I know there's a lot of tenant landlord situations out there and triple net leases and a lot of things that are very prohibitive. We like to review the leases because there is a lot of things in there that just don't make sense. Or sometimes they just pull this off of Google, right? Google leases. And you get this lease and you're like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. I was looking at one the other day. It was a brewery in Pennsylvania and it said it needs to be uh, this insurance company has to be licensed in New Jersey. And it had the wrong it had the wrong brewery name on it. I was like, you did you sign this? Because I hope not. <laughs> we like to try and get ahead of these things and negotiate some of these things. Um, you know, I've said it before the leases will say XYZ Brewery is responsible for any and all claims arising out of blah, blah, blah. Well, there's no policy out there insurance wise. There's no agreement out there that covers any and all. Everything has an exclusion, right? There's there's gaps. So just make sure that, you know, we, we like to tweak that language to to make sure that we can pick up coverage, you know, if we're sitting down in the courtroom. Just be careful what you're signing. <laughs> we can we can break this into multiple conversations, but just be careful what you're signing out there. Um, and you know, it's about the service. So not only are we delivering a policy, we're delivering these services through the year. You have multiple owners. Right. Someone, you know, you have the key person uh, insurance. Uh, you have loans out there. A key person, you know, one of the investors, one of the owners dies. You have five hundred thousand dollars of loans out there. And now the other brewery owner is stuck with it. Or now the wife, the spouse of the person who passed. Right. Maybe she doesn't want to be an owner and she wants to sell it. So now you want to make sure you have a buy sell agreement and have all these things. So, again, we go from brewing in a garage to to running a business with multiple employees and multiple risks and a lot of things you probably never even thought about. And that's what that's why you need to lean on someone who's done it, um, someone who gets it. And what I again, like what I've found is just, you know, if you don't specialize in the insurance world, if you don't specialize, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So so in my agency, we all pretty much have a major and a minor that we one major where we are hunting after all the time. We do it really well. The insurance companies we represent do it really well, very competitively. Um, and then we have a minor where, you know, we don't go after it as much, but we're very good at it as well. So we, we all kind of have that major and minor because, again, you just, you know, if we're not doing the right thing and, you know, and then you have that claim, it's uncovered, you have a situation then we could end up in court. So, you know, I'm just a firm believer of do something well, right? Be a, be a master of one versus a jack of all trades because that just gets you in trouble. It does. Yeah, so Great stuff there. Thank you. I want to underscore one thing and then kind of follow up with a question. So you had mentioned, you know, the rating for your premium is, is based largely on sales mm-hmm. and it's 14 times higher 
from a rating perspective for your on-premise con- consumption, your on-premise sales than it is off-premise. So great, I think a great point for folks that if you're not digging in and providing, because I know how this can be, you know, the insurance company will say, well, send me your sales records. And I, oh, whatever, yeah. quick and easiest, you fire it off. And then lo and behold, there's there's real savings here. So folks- yeah. $30,000 audit that you weren't ready yeah. for. Do yeah. all at once, you know. That's right. So really, some, that's a great, there's a lot of great points you made. That that one I wanted to underscore. So and do your audits, you know, what, 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 and, and do your audits. A lot of yeah. folks, you know, we, we get busy, I get it. And you don't want to do your audit because you think you're going to go owe money. But especially after pandemic, like your sales are probably lower than what you projected, at least tasting room wise. Maybe that, maybe you did that same 7 million in sales, but maybe 6 million of it went out the door versus that 6 million you thought was going to be on premises. And again, that 14 times, is a huge number when it comes to your insurance premium. So, so you know, definitely do your do your audits this year. And in a workers' compensation situation, uh, when you don't do your audit, you get a bill for double. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, we assumed you doubled your growth," you know. And it's really just them saying, "Hey, uh, you need to do this." So either pay double or do it. You know, they just want to get your attention. So you covered a lot of different topics, you know, product recall, the key person insurance and so forth. What, you know, what's your, so a lot of details there really, and, and things can, I would imagine fall through the cracks or get overlooked. So what is your process to uncover these needs? How do you go about determining what's, what folks actually do need? Yeah. So, you know, when we're, when we're starting out, when we're going to be the first time, you know, working together, we kind of talk about, you know, what you've had what your experience with insurance or your insurance agent was, um, how it's been, you know, if you had a magic wand, what would you change, you know, besides price, right? Obviously we want a lower price, but what else, you know? So we talk, talk through situations, um, service claims coverage. Um, we talk about what you would like to see, who, who do you want involved? Um, and, and when would you like that to happen? And then why would you like that to happen? And usually that's kind of where that light bulb goes on. Like, oh, this is why we're going to do this. I have, you know, I, I kind of broke it down into a two page questionnaire that we do at renewal and we do midterm. So because things change, oftentimes I'll I'll talk to a brewery and they're like, oh yeah, we bought this centrifuge or we bought this canning line. I'm like, oh, well, when'd you do that? They're like, oh, seven months ago. Like, did you did you want to insure that in the event that, you know, and a lot of times I feel like, you know, hey, you get a $100,000 canning line and they're like, well, they thought their insurance was going to go up $100,000. I'm like, it might be 250 for the year. I would trade 250 for a hundred grand anytime, you know? I think we get that like that sticker shock, right? So, or that just, you know, I'm not charged. I don't bill month or hourly. I wish I could, but I don't. So, you know, I understand like the hesitancy to to like contact a lawyer because you're going to get a bill in the mail. Just call me, right? I'll, I'll charge you beer. You send me some beer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we break down sales, right? We, we break down, you know, what you did last year, what you're projecting this year, you know, how many barrels are you going to do? And then, you know, beer to go versus on-premises consumption, right? So bottles, cans, kegs, growlers, crowlers, all that stuff going out the door, whether it's to the consumer or whether that is to a distributor. Like, what is that amount? Um, on-premises, what's your food? What's your alcohol consumption? What about merch, right? How much merch are you selling? So I always get, that's such an interesting one. You know, sometimes it's, you know, $2,500 in merch. And I just did one this morning. It was like, hey, we do 70,000 in merch. We do 120,000 in merch. It's like, that's awesome. And and not only is that just, you know, great extra sales and, and usually pretty good margin, that's your brand out in the streets. You know, I find that to be pretty cool. I love, I think it's such a, a tell how strong your brand is or how much people like your beer when your merch sales are way up. It's pretty neat to see. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And just just to underscore the communication aspect, I think I think I was kind of laughing. We were talking offline about the same thing, and, and I just laughed again when you said, you know, you buy something new, or and I have to say I'm guilty of it too. You know, you we're like, oh, we're gonna open up a new tap room. You know, you you lease a new space, and all of a sudden you're like, haven't actually talked to the insurance guys yet. It's like, come on. <laughs> so communication, you know, you guys are, you know, I think about you know, your, your, your banks and your lawyers and you see, these are all partners. Mm-hmm. The insurance person is a partner as well. So communication is key. And I think you used uh, a saying kind of offline that if, if any verbs, any actions are occurring that, you know, you got to reach out to your insurance guy, just let him or her know. So if you're, if you're buying, you're leasing, what, what are your other verb, verb words there? And uh, buying, leasing, hiring, firing, renting, moving, um, you know, selling, delivering, distributing, just, pretty much anything that you're doing like if it's a significant amount of money give, give a holler you know there you go uh, and oftentimes as you mentioned there you know with the banks and the, the lenders and stuff like a lot of times if we're going to buy a new building we're going to take a loan out um they might need collateral in terms of a life insurance policy those things take three to four weeks to do one you're going to get a loan sba loan something like that for a new location they're going to want to see proof of coverage, you know, proof of property insurance uh, for that location. So again, all these things, they do take time. And that was why I said, it's like, give us a call because it's not Geico, right? You can't go online, type it in and spits it out. I, I, usually a human is going to touch this, review it. A lot of the stuff is based on relationships too. Like that's, that's another benefit of working with an agent who specializes in brewery insurance, because I can have those conversations with these underwriters. They know that when I send something into them, it's going to be quality. They're going to give me their best coverage. They're going to give me their best pricing. Also, if you don't ask for the coverage, an insurance company is not going to give it to you. So if your agent doesn't know that coverage exists for your particular business, you don't get it. And you're going to have a claim that's going to be open and you're going to be pissed. And then you're going to call me and then we'll fix it. <laughs> but that that happens so often. There is a there is a coverage basically that's kind of built into a lot of policies. Not all of them, you know, but it'll say like uh, you purchased business personal property, so equipment and stuff, or, or new location, you usually automatically have, say, 60 to 180 days automatic coverage. It's kind of like the, oops, I forgot to tell my agent coverage. Um, every policy is a little different. Again, sometimes 60, sometimes 180. That's nice. But I think that all stemmed from, hey, you never told your agent, uh, this burnt down, there was a theft, and then this went to court, and the insurance company ended up paying it out. So they just started throwing that coverage in like back in the 70s and 80s, you know. So they tweak this stuff, right? The policies are evolving, but you know we need a heads up because there is literally a person who touches all this stuff and a lot of times it has to go up the ladder. And especially now, people are working remotely. You can't just kind of peek over the cubicle to your boss. You got to get in touch with them and they might be Zooming all day and they might not see it till tomorrow. The delays it a week. So just if you're thinking about doing something, give me a call. If you had a claim or something that might be a claim, give me a call. We talk through it, you know, pretty available. But that's kind of the beauty of our agency is we have 37 people. We have two folks on staff that were former claims adjusters. They just do claims. They process claims. They know how to word the claims. Very, very good. And it's a unique thing that I didn't have in my prior my prior agency. So we're, we're here to help, you know, lean, lean on us. And we don't bill hourly. So <laughs> that's an important, important point to underscore. Yeah. So tell me, you know, obviously we're recording this in June 2021. And, you know, we've been through a heck of a last 13 months or so actually more like 15 months, I guess. How have things changed from your perspective relative to the pandemic? Like what kind of questions, needs are you getting from brewery owners and managers? And 
maybe relatedly, what have you, what have you learned from, from breweries during this time? I, well, first of all, I learned, you know, again, they're still the most creative folks that are out there constantly pushing the boundaries, testing the laws in each state. Well, it doesn't say we can't do it. Let's try it. You know, um, changing laws, making it more, you know, easy for them to sell their product in times of need. Super creative. I got folks right now asking like, Hey, what if I do this? Uh, what if I do this sunset boat cruise for two hours and we ticket it and they BYOB and it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, all right. Okay. Like what's the law say? And you know, give me time because I'm sure nobody wants to do that from an insurance perspective or anything could be done, right? But it's going to cost you. We're in a hard market right now. Costs are only going up. Probably going to be that way until 2023. That was happening before the pandemic. I did a whole podcast about um, social inflation and, and that's what it's called. A lot of, lot more claims are going to court. A lot more claims are actually being funded by investors, like helping these go to court. And when they pay out, they take their cut. So that's causing a lot of a lot of payouts from insurance companies. Therefore, premiums have to rise and that sort of thing. As I mentioned, with the changes there, you know that again, delivery drivers adding that that coverage for the vehicles to go again the packaged products. Folks who are packaging that never did it before again having a recall plan. Just thinking through some some situations that they never had to think about before. Maybe they you know maybe they were uh, they could they could reduce their staff. Because they were, they found out. I would say a lot of them found out they were more efficient in the in the pandemic, right? They were able to work with less staff. They were able to get more done. Um, so so maybe from like a management standpoint, they learned some things about themselves. You know, maybe they weren't using their time wisely or things like that. Now I don't suggest anybody let anybody go, but I think they learned a little bit about themselves. The breweries handling customer complaints, um, employee complaints. When to wear a mask, when not to. Is this safe? I don't want to, I don't feel safe returning back to work. You know, putting those things in perspective, putting processes and procedures in place for those sorts of things that they didn't have to do before. So those are those are some items that, you know, I've seen them adapt to. They're fighters, man. They're they they fight. And they're say like with procrastination and when your back's against the wall, those are the times where you get the most creative, right? You're like, shit. We got to figure this out. What can we do? And, and that's, you know, we talked about mindset on our, our podcast, Carrie, and just, you know, you have those kind of two mindsets. It's instead of, hey, we're screwed and then you give up and you close out or you say, what can we do? You know, we can't do these things, but what can we do? Because there's always options. That's from like rich dad, poor dad. And he says, you know, the kid's like, uh, mom, I want to buy this 200 bucks. And instead of saying, no, we can't afford it. Just flipping your mindset and going, how can we afford it? You know, maybe it's not today, but there are ways to maybe save up or you can work for it and allow it. So just again, opening up that mindset and going, how how can we do this? What can we do instead of shutting down and being, you know, just, just shutting it down? Because, you know, then you're kind of stuck. So they're creative. They continue to get creative. And that was that was something that I saw. They're resilient. Coming up with new ways, new beers, selling online, creating online platforms. They didn't, they didn't sell online before. Um, you had arrived pop up. You had beer me pop up. A lot of these different online platforms and shipping and delivery, and it was cool. I can't believe it's already been a year that's gone by. But you know, and I think that direct to consumers, that's not going away. Personally, I love to order beer, and then you know, by the end of my workday, it's sitting on the doorstep. I'm like, this is like, you know, it's like Christmas. You know, it's awesome. Santa, the beer Santa showed up. You know, excellent. Well, let's shift and talk a bit about what might be considered a dry topic, but. If, if there's an opportunity to understand it better and maybe save some money if possible, let's talk about workers' comp insurance. Ooh, all right. So we know we need to have it. Maybe mm-hmm. give us a, give folks a quick primer on, you know, what are the drivers of costs? Like how does the sure. math work? 
And then relatedly, any thoughts on how folks could try to reduce the premium, if at all possible? Oh, yeah. I had this conversation today. I had a, a distillery I work with, had their first claim and, you know, first workers comp claim. And it's been like six years. Pretty good. So what workers compensation insurance is now I'll kind of dumb it down as much as I can. And it is kind of simple, right? You have you have certain job duties, right? You have an office employee and there's a risk rate to that, which is not much, right? What is what are the chances that person gets hurt and to what extent? Kind of slim, especially compared to a brewer or somebody in the manufacturing. So you have the different classifications and every state is a little different. And for the most part, I think almost every state requires workers' compensation except like Texas and maybe one other. So if you have employees, they're paid, they're on the books, it's required that you carry workers' compensation. Workers' compensation covers lost wages and medical bills. That's kind of what it does, right? If you're injured on the job, you go to say, and I would recommend send your employees to urgent care versus going to the hospital because it's going to be $80 instead of $800. That ultimately, again, lost wages and medical bills directly affect your premium. You have a classification, whether it's office employee, uh, salesperson, um, maybe you have a bartender code, maybe you have a restaurant code if you sell food, um, or if you're strictly manufacturing, you know, you have maybe the, the brewery code, which is the most risky, right? Every state does different how they base sales to food and sales to overall sales uh, on premises for off. Everybody does a little different. So when I have an employee that gets injured, <clears throat> we're going to cover their medical bills. We're also going to cover their lost wages. The longer they are out of work, the higher that lost wage number is, the higher the insurance claim, the more negatively it affects you. Every brewery or every company is going to start off with an experience mod. The experience mod for a new company is 1.0. So you have your payroll times that classification rate, right? whatever that, that risk rate is for that, for that job duty. That creates a, a dollar amount. So you know, $50,000 times a, a $2 rate and then divided by 1,000 equals X. Then you multiply that times your experience mod, right? And then you add in a few of these, you know, expense constants and terrorism and a couple other coverages that are just kind of like non-negotiable. They're just in there. So every year that your business, you know, either has tiny claims or really no claims, that mod starts to go below 1.0. Maybe it becomes a 9 point, you know, a 0.97, a 0.93, down to a 8, you know, a 0.84. Like, that's awesome. That's what an underwriters love to see that. So again, payroll times rate times that mod, if it's below one, you're bringing your premium down. If you have some large claims, you have frequency of claims, that mod starts to creep up. So if you started at one, it might go to 1.025, 1.1. It can really only, I don't know if it's every state, but most states, I think you can only, it can only increase by like 25% annually. So that every state's a little different. But even if you have a million dollar claim, it's not going to go up by a million dollars or, you know, a million percent, you know, it's going to be, it's fractional. They can only thing you to a certain extent. When we have these claims, I talked to my guy today. I said, we have the medical bills. They are what they are. What we can control is the wages. If we can get this employee back, maybe this employee can't go back to standing on a ladder because they hurt their ankle, but this employee can come back and help with recipes at a desk. This employee can check the mail. This employee can print out online orders and do some sort of uh, light duty change of change of job for the time being until they, you know, basically until the doctor says, hey, you're good to go back to resuming your normal work. We want to keep that lost wages down. Another thing too, from like, I guess, like a psychology perspective is when workers are out of work, they tend to stay out of work. When workers get back to work, they tend to heal faster and they're back to work. It's kind of that mindset. You start just, you know, the more you sit on the couch, the more you want to sit on the couch, right? So 
we talk about safety meetings. We talk, you know, a lot of breweries will do it every Monday. So, or every two Mondays, something like that, but have that return to work program in, in writing. Uh, that's something we provide our clients, you know, every company, you know, whether you're an HVAC company, a grocery store, um, you know, brewery, whatever, there's different, there's different things to do. There's always something to do, right? There's always, always some sort of slack that can be picked up. Um, always something you can do. So if we can get them back to work, you're going to reduce your lost wages. You're going to keep your claims as small as possible. And you want to keep that mod as low as possible because again, that's what makes you marketable to the underwriters, right? Makes you, you know, keeps your costs down, but also, Hey, you've, you've got a pretty good mod. You're a safe company. Well, maybe this insurance company wants to save you 20% next year, right? When we take it out to market. Another thing when it comes to claims carry is claims are looked at in basically two ways, frequency of claims and severity of claims. That's why you kind of have deductibles to, to, you know, a lot of times you'll see on a property, you know, policy, it's a thousand dollar deductible that eliminates those small $200 claims, right? They used to happen a lot. And then, so they started to raise that. So frequency, you get a lot of little claims. That's a lot of what happens a lot of times is that's a lot of near misses or tiny misses um, or tiny claims. And then boom, those add up to that big one. So we want to, you know, safety meetings. We want to talk about those little near misses to avoid that big one, reduce that stuff. Just talk about it really front of house, back of house, get together. You can have safety committees. Um, some states will give you, you know, say 5% off your insurance, off your workers' compensation insurance. If you do this, you know, monthly and submit it to the state after I think, you know, 12 months or 18 months, you'll start to get a credit from the state for being a safe company. It's worth putting in a time. Depends on the size of the company. Sometimes people will say it's just a pain in the ass to do it. So depends, depends what your threshold is. But yeah, just talk about it, right? Those little claims add up to big ones. And if we can avoid it, awesome. And a lot of times just talking about it, making you aware of it, creating that awareness uh, will avoid. Top of mind, those are those are some of the things that we can do to reduce your claims. It's good stuff. I'll bring in a little Buddhism in here. I think it's, they say what you are aware of, you're in control of. Ooh, like it. It. I know the Buddhist like control word, but I think being aware of how workers' comp works and the calculation, and you laid it out very clearly. So thank you for that payroll, your risk classification, your employee classification, and your experience mod. You know, I think similar to what you were explaining earlier, that you know, get your sales in the right category. Mm-hmm. the differences in how the premiums are calculated. So get your employees and your payroll in the right category likewise, because you may be overpaying yeah. for a quote unquote high risk when that person maybe actually works in a clerical capacity or or what have you. So some, that's some great tips there. Yeah. And if you want somebody to be classified as a clerical employee, typically they need four walls and a door. They need to sit in a room with four walls and a door. If they walk into the tasting room or they are at the host stand, they will then be put into, say, the bartender code or the restaurant or the brewery code. They'll always put you in your your uh, riskiest code. It's just what the, and it, it's what the state does, Department of Labor. Yeah. Gotcha. So lots of other stuff we could dig into. But I want to wrap up with one uh, one final question, and, and then we can talk about how folks can get in touch. Tell me about I think you and I are both avid readers. We love mm-hmm. And have our favorite books. So, what are you what are you reading these days, and what do you recommend that folks right. check out? I keep a list of all the books I have read and all the books that uh, are are on the way. So, I took a look at this earlier. Currently, I just finished The Fighter's Mind by Sam Sheridan. It's uh, you know MMA fighters and boxers and ultra runners and and what they go through to kind of fight adversity, how their bodies respond to those sorts of things. I'm always pretty interested in that. Um, I feel like I have a high pain threshold and I do some crazy stuff uh, right now. I I just did 10 miles yesterday of uh, a ruck, a 30 pound backpack for 10 miles. 
I have a 22 mile ruck on June 24th. So I am six days into no booze. And uh, that day we will rock 22 miles to the pub. (laughs) June 24th. The Fighter's Mind. I'm listening to uh, Becoming Dr. Seuss, which is a pretty wild story about how he became Dr. Seuss. And his family had run a number of breweries. He comes from a brewery background, which is crazy, in in, uh, St. Louis. So, you know, I I open up this book kind of thinking about you know, cartoons and whatnot. Turns out, you know, it starts off with the brewing industry. And I was like, wow, this is very serendipitous. It was pretty cool. Hannah Gody from Naked Brewing Company, the brewer. I just had her on my podcast, episode 92. She told me to read Peace is Every Step. It's a mindfulness, breathing, in times of chaos. Um, you know, how to kind of stop and be present. I did just listen to Chaos. I think Tom O'Neill is the uh, is the author. And that was about uh, Charles Manson and the CIA. And holy moly, MK Ultra and all these crazy CIA things that they put together and how much they were aware of and let happen and go read that book. That is crazy. And then Pieces Every Step is a very short book. So I'll, I'll be finishing that up. And um, I have Green Lights, which is the uh, Matthew McConaughey book that just mm-hmm. uh, came uh, within the last few months. So excellent. That's a great that's, list. That's what's on deck. And that's what we just listened to and read. Nice. And if you could make a recommendation or two on a on a brewery or beer industry specific, I know we you sort of touched a little bit. I mean, I, I'm not sure. Dr. Seuss. That's interesting. But yeah, anything, anything you've read that uh, you'd recommend to folks check out? Well, I mean, you know, brewing up a business from from Sam Calzone was was such a cool book. That was I'm sure everybody listening has read it, but that was not what I expected when I pulled that book open. So much insight, so many cool stories. Um, again, the guy talk about a guy getting creative, you know, creating the Randall and doing all sorts of crazy shit with his van and breaking down on the highway and still getting to events and kayaking a keg of warm beer by the time they got there to, you know, he's, he's a freaking nut. Uh, I know Sam, uh, Jim Coke has some some really great uh, books, you know, Beyond the Pale, you know, that that from you know Sierra Nevada, uh, Mr. Grossman there. If if you want to know about the pains of like distribution laws, man, open that up. Also in that book is a very good couple of pages about how to incentivize your employees. Uh, that's towards the back of the book. That's very helpful. You know, whether it's from health benefits or recognition, he does a really good job just talking about how to, how to build a culture and, and how to keep your employees happy, how to keep them around a long time and all that then, you know, transitions over to the customer. Excellent. I'm going to have to check that one out. You got me on that last one. Yeah, it's good. Kyle, this has been great. A lot of tips. You know, the goal here, one of one of the goals, obviously, is to just share information with folks. And but but I love to provide people with opportunities to kind of dig in on, on things that are important to their business. And insurance, you know, it may not. It's like finance. It may not be the sexiest thing, but extremely important. There's opportunities to really get the right amount of coverage if you have the right partners. So I would definitely, if folks are thinking or looking around, check out Kyle and Arthur Hall Insurance. So Kyle, tell folks where and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, years ago I created a number of URLs, but um, you know, craftbrewinginsurance.com, uh, craftdistillinginsurance.com. They all kind of they all point to craftbrewinginsurance.com. Uh, I try to make that as easy as possible to remember. And if you want to email me, it's Kyle at craftbrewinginsurance.com. Uh, you can find me at Beer Mighty Things Podcast on uh, Instagram. I think it's Beer Mighty Pods on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, Kyle Reiner, R-H-E-I-N-E-R. But yeah, I mean, that, those are kind of the places I hang out. Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and there's some some good blog posts on, on my website, craftbrewinginsurance.com. And, you know, let us let us handle the heavy lifting in the insurance. You guys focus on your craft and do what you guys do well. That's kind of do what you do well and outsource the rest. Perfect. Kyle, thanks so much. Terry, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.